0: We'll be talking about Mary Magdalene. We're launching this new series called The Humans of Easter. And I think oftentimes we remove the quirkiness of humanity out of the scriptures, and we lose a couple different things. We lose the fact that this was written by people for people, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I think we, secondly, we, we lose the ability to place ourselves in the story uh, because we may not feel like we can relate with many of the characters. And um, there's a scene I want to open with, I'll give you a little bit of context. And then my goal by the end of our time together is that you would find yourself in this story and that you would once again perhaps hear the voice of God today. Maybe you're watching this years from now. I believe that, that God can reach into your moment and he can speak to you. I'm, I'm going off of a, a couple of different assumptions here. Uh, assumption number one is that uh, you in the room and online, regardless of when you're watching this, uh, I'm assuming that there is some level of curiosity around the person and work of Jesus and perhaps the fullness of life that he seems to promise in the pages of this book. That's assumption number one. Assumption number two is that you and I, at times in the past or currently, uh, have experienced disappointment, doubt, or distance between us and God, or us and what we feel like is our preferred future. Maybe you're dealing with sickness or illness. Maybe you're dealing with depression, anxiety. Maybe there's a secret Uh, That you're holding on to and it's chewing you up inside. Maybe you're uncertain about the future, unemployment's on the horizon. Wherever you are right now, I'm assuming all of us have experienced or currently are in a season where things don't seem quite right. And then, assumption number three is I'm going to assume for our time together that although this book is full of paradox and mystery. It is true. The word says about itself that it's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. If you're searching for direction, a career choice, if you're searching for a spouse, a fork in the road, this is going to help you. Uh, This describes of itself that it is a belt of truth. It holds everything together. Uh, This describes itself as an anchor in our life. It helps us to endure the storms and the disappointments and the suffering Of life. This describes itself as a sword, sharper than any two-edged sword, in fact, that it separates truth from a lie, it exposes the heart of man. You cannot hide behind anything when this reaches for you. And then lastly, this says that the word became flesh. The very word dwelled among us. His name is Jesus. Every single page is meant to point. To Jesus, I'm going to assume that we hold this as true. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 20, uh, John, one of the disciples, he declares why this book was written. He says, now Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples which are not written this, in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The purpose of this book is that you would consider it, that you would wrestle with it, and that by God's spirit, you would believe what it says about you, Jesus, and others. So Mary, Mary Magdalene, uh, it's a name that culture knows about. Regardless of your Uh, Christian affiliation or your knowledge of the Bible or the story of Jesus, Mary Magdalene in some ways has become a household term. It's pretty well known. But who was this Mary of Magdala? Well, one of her culminating moments is in the book of Mark chapter 9 or chapter 16 verse 9 says, now when he rose early on the first day of the week, that's Jesus rising from the dead, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Now that's significant. The first person that Jesus reveals his resurrected self to is Mary Magdalene. There's a lot in that we're going to unpack in just a second. She went and told uh, Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. We're going to unpack that too. Uh, she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. We're going to try to extract from the pages of Scripture some commentaries in history. Who was this Mary Magdalene? And I think that context is going to help place us in the story of our end of our time together. And I believe that God wants to speak to you. Um, You know, Jesus, he rolled around with uh, quite the social network. It was diverse and eclectic and sometimes weird and obnoxious as Facebook. And it was just kind of, we lose the humanity in the people. A couple characters of note, Matthew, he was a disciple. He was a tax collector. And what he did, he would go around and he would collect taxes from his very own people for the Roman occupation that was oppressing them. Matthew was not a highly revered and liked person by his people group. He was seen as a betrayer. Now, when Jesus met him uh, and Matthew penned his gospel, we know he was a tax collector because it's reinforced by the fact that Matthew, he starts his book about Jesus, the savior of the world, with this long litany of genealogy, just like any good tax person double check, checking their list, checking it twice. Tax people, they're they're kind of like Santa Claus, but you don't want a gift from them. That was Matthew, okay? Now, Mark, we just read from uh, the book of Mark. What's interesting about Mark is uh, Jesus and his disciples used to hang out a lot at Mark's mom's house. So Mark was a bit of a tag-along, and all throughout Scripture, even in the book of Acts, uh, post-Jesus going back to the Father, Mark was always kind of the tag-along. He was the support guy. He was like the wingman. Um, and he actually wrote his gospel, but it was on behalf of Peter, um, who just didn't slow down long enough to write anything. He was just talking a mile a minute all the time. That was Mark. Uh, Peter, speaking of which, he was brash, hyper impulsive. He was a bit of a college dropout that kind of became a fisherman. Uh, it was pretty violent. Uh, that, that was Peter. That was his character. John, uh, John remained single his whole life. My theory is, um, according to the Gospel of John, uh, right next to Jesus as the most important person on the world, in the world, it was John in his own Gospel. We'll read about that in a second. I think that might be why he remained single his whole life. Uh, and then you have Doubting Thomas, right? Another normal, cultural, well-known term that's actually attributed to people. They are called a Doubting Thomas when they doubt. What a terrible nickname to have for thousands of years. That'll go down in infamy. Uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, uh, that story, you know, Mary, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and just soaking up everything, and there's Martha, GSDing, getting stuff done. Uh, there would be no Mary and Jesus in that wonderful story that preaches well without Martha. I identify with Martha, clearly. And then Lazarus, um, they were all siblings, And uh, Jesus liked to hang out with them. We've got Philip. I like Philip. uh, Because when Jesus was feeding the 5,000 and all day long, everybody was getting tired, Philip walked up to Jesus, tapped him on the shoulder and was like, I'm hungry. Can you send them home? There's this kid with a fish and bread. I've reserved it for me. Like, send them all home. I like Philip. I'm very food conscious. I want to know what's in the refrigerator right now. So when I get home, I feel secure. I like Philip. And then Judas. Judas was the betrayer, right? He sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He was the treasurer for the disciples. This motley crew of individuals that wandered around uh, the the Mediterranean. Uh, And and what's ironic about this is uh, they dubbed him the treasurer. You would think because he was the most trustworthy with their money, ended up betraying them. So these are real humans with, like, real personalities and pasts and quirks and secrets, and it's just, like like us. Mary, who was Mary? Listen, Mary would have loved living in 2021 because um, culture has finally caught up with the truth because girl power is a real thing that has kept the world spinning since the beginning. Um, Mary was a boss. Uh, Mary, you wouldn't want to mess with Mary, and here's how she's introduced in scripture, Luke chapter 8. Soon afterward, he, Jesus, went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, we talked about them already, and also some women, here it is, he's very specific about this, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. These women had undergone a radical transformation in the presence of Jesus. We don't know the specifics of it, it's not documented, but Mary Called Magdalene. That's specific. Mary called Magdalene. She had a nickname, which happened to be a location. We're going to get to that in a second. From whom seven demons had gone out. Seven demons. Uh, Numbers are important in scripture. The number of seven means completion. Like this girl was full to the brim with demons, with negativity, with oppression, with manipulation. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Also had Joanna, the wife of. Chusa, Herod's household manager. This is crazy. This girl posse has some serious influence. uh, Because uh, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's uh, household accountant. So Herod, this Herod, uh, was the one who beheaded John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. His father, Herod, was the one when he heard that the Savior had been born Uh, ordered all the infant boys to be massacred in the entire region. So you've got that guy, his son, Herod, uh, murders John the Baptist. His wife gets transformed by Jesus and is funneling money to support Jesus's ministry. This is like desperate housewives redeemed. This is incredible the girl power that has been drawn to Jesus and is now being used for the kingdom of God in a powerful way. I mean, I'm, thank you. I have one witness in the room. Now, this was unprecedented for a rabbi, a well-known rabbi. Jesus was quite the character, almost a celebrity to an extent at this time, to be rolling around with a group of Tax collectors, rejects, fishermen, and women. Socially, they'd all kind of be on the same playing field with women just underneath. And Jesus flips it on its head. And clearly, the most successful people that were in Jesus' posse by the social standards were actually the women, because most of the guys were either rejects or betrayed their own people. So this is incredible. Mary... Mary had seven demons in a posse, and uh, she was from Magdalene. She was called the Magdalene. You know, it's, it's almost like this. Um, if, if you meet someone with a southern accent, cowboy hat, white boy, boots, spurs, a gun on his hip, and his name is Tex, he's from Texas. I mean, you might as well just call him Texas. He's got the nickname for a reason. Like, he... Uh, he, he represents and symbolizes the stereotypical image of some place like Texas. If you're from Texas, watch him from Texas. I'm so sorry. It's all concealed carry here. We're good. We love you. Go, America. Okay. Um, but that, that, the Magdalene, when people called her the Magdalene, basically the, what they were saying is this woman personifies this town. Now what's cool about this town, Magdala. We had the opportunity uh, to go to Israel with Pastor Pierre and Marlise last year uh, and a couple other people that are in the room. It was incredible. And we went to Magdala, or what's left of it. And I think there's going to be a picture on the screen um, of my excellent photography skills. I like the pano. And uh, what you see there is you see the ancient remains of a Jewish synagogue. Now. That is extremely large for a normal synagogue. It's also very opulent. It has mosaics um, and colored ceramics all over it. The the floor is inlaid. Like, this is a significant and extremely expensive synagogue. So there's a few things that uh, historians have discovered about Magdala, that it uh, it was a shipping port. It was a major trade route. And it was a hub of cultural activity. In particular, rich people would travel from far away to go to Magdala to get high end goods, in particular, clothing. Because in Magdala, they had uh, the, the rarest dyes. So if you wanted that perfect chartreuse to match with those shoes and your eyeliner, like you would tell your man, we're going to ma- Actually, you stay home. You be with the kids. It's like Hannah at Target. It's like you stay home with the kids. There's plenty of fishies in the pantry. Like I'm going to Target. I'm wandering around my Starbucks. I'm going to come back. I don't care how much I spend. That was Magdala. It was like Saks Fifth Avenue. You save up, you go to Magdala. Now, Mary is called the Magdalene. It's also stated in Scripture that she bankrolled a majority of Jesus' travel expenses as he journeyed for his years from town to town, place to place. So if you connect the dots, this is like Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. Pre-Jesus, she had the attitude. You know what I mean? She had everything that she needed. Like, everybody ran their plans past her. She was done up to the the nines all the time. Never exited her house without making sure that everybody knew that she was holding up her appearances. But she had seven demons. See, what's interesting about that is in the 6th century, um, the pope at the time, Having read through scriptures, he came up with the idea of the seven deadly sins. We've heard that before. There's a terrible movie about it. Don't watch it. It's really disturbing. Uh, But the seven deadly sins are typically a result of a life of comfort. Envy, wrath, lust, um, greed, gluttony. Could these seven demons that she was full of actually been that she was pre-Jesus, full of herself. And then G- Jesus, with one moment, can flip it around. Can flip it around. We're going to kind of skip over a little bit, and I want to tell you kind of the end of Mary's story. Mark chapter 16, verse 1, you've got a little bit of context now. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, also the mother of Jesus, and Salome bought spices so they could go and anoint him. See, the ancient Jewish tradition was when a, a person of affluence or a person of importance would die, uh, they would want to bury uh, that body with as much rights and reverence and respect as possible. Part of that procedure was to embalm them with spices, so that the body would be preserved. It would smell nice for as long as possible. It was a sign of respect. Typically, you would buy enough spices that would uh, equate to half the person's body weight. They'd be wrapped in the spices, uh, linens, expensive linens, and they would be embalmed in these spices. So let's say Jesus is 150 pounds, probably a little bit more. He was kind of a Jacked-up carpenter who used to walk around a lot. But let's say 150 pounds. Half of that, 75 pounds. 225 pounds this body would have weighed full of spices. And these women, all the disciples ran. All the boys are gone. A different part in the scripture, it says they were away weeping. The women show up. to Finish the job. I love it. Goes on. So they may anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They were saying to one another, who's going to roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? They're like, on the way there. And they're like, who's going to get the stone? And Mary's probably like, I got it. I got it. Nothing getting in my way. She's the boss. And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. Convenient. It was very large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. They were alarmed. He said to them, do not be alarmed. You see, Jesus of Nazareth there it is, somebody who's referenced by their last name, or not by their last name, but where they're from, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And then it goes on, verse 8, and they went out and fled from the tomb. Trembling in astonishment, it seized them. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, that's Mark's account. Now, we have in Scripture what's called the Synoptic Gospels, meaning we have four stories that kind of run parallel to each other, um, and they tell some of the same stories and things like that. So it's interesting to see how the different authors and their personalities and how they write. Uh, Scholars call the Gospel of Mark the and-then gospel. Now remember, Mark's writing it, but Peter's saying it. It's kind of Peter's gospel. And then like Peter's got some ADDs, like, and then we might hear, and then he said this, and then this happened, and then we went there, and then this happened, and this crazy thing happened. And Peter's just r- r- fa- fast, 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 all the time. Now, John, in contrast, John's, John's a bit of a romantic. John's pretty poetic. I think John, John's the guy that goes on like writing retreats, like brings this favorite candles with him. And, and, and John is smart. John reads like old dead dude stuff. And, and, and John, John is interesting because uh, John chapter 20 says this. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. Come on, Mary. First one to show up, while it's still dark, this girl, love this girl, while it was still dark, saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now, here's what's interesting about John. John calls himself the other disciple in the scripture. He wants to be super humble, you know? He doesn't want to bring attention to himself. You know? it, actually, it's not true. Um, it, it says, uh, uh, where am I? away so he ran Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, so he's not being humble he's like, yeah, there was Peter, and then there's the one he loved. this is John, right super like emotional in touch with all of that like I don't know why John didn't get a date like he's just so emo- but it again you'll see why uh, and uh here we go, and the one whom Jesus loved and said to them they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. we do not know where They have laid him. So Mary goes, listen, the body's gone. So Peter went out with the other disciple, Peter and John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter, read to the tomb first. These guys are having a foot race. Peter and John had a bit of a competition. Um, I often think about uh, Peter and John like uh, me and Pastor Chris. Guess who's who? I'm the one more concerned about my bench press, and Chris is thinking about his next writing retreat. And he and I have had this, like, friendly, loving rivalry. We're great friends, but there's this thing, right? So Peter and John are running to the tomb, trying to beat one another to the tomb where Jesus' body is gone. Verse 5, and stooping to look in. He saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. John didn't go in. He's got respect, trying to take in the moment, trying to picture it, trying to ingrain it in his mind so he can write about every little detail. Then Simon Peter came following and went right in. So Peter's just whoo, right past John into the tomb. It's like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Who's here? I got to slice off. I got to walk on some water. What do we need? Who am I taking out? Like Peter's just, he's got problems. I got problems. Then Simon Peter came following went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there in the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head. Not, John's got so many details, too many words. Not lying with the linen cloth, but folding up in the place by itself. Then the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first. Okay, John, we get it. You're the faster than Peter. Like, thanks for making sure we knew about that thousands of years later. Important detail to put in. Why did he? didn't he, It was unnecessary. Uh Also went in, and he saw and believed. Important note. He didn't believe until he went in. That's a whole nother sermon. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, and he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples left. Guess who was left? Mary. Ride or die? Mary. What happens? Verse 11. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept... She stooped to look into the tomb. This is a good time for piano. Yeah, there he is. Thanks, bro. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Throughout history, every single human being has to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. Is he a historical character with great morals and there's cool stories about him? Yes, but he's more. Is he a religious figure and much atrocities have been done in his name? Yes, but he's more. In the moment where all hope was lost, Jesus had been dead for days. Now even his dead body is missing, but Mary still calls him Lord. You have to decide what you're going to do about Jesus. What do you call him? Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, the landscaper, the caretaker of the funeral plots, the tombs. She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him. Now I added my own little emphasis there, but knowing what we know about Mary, she wasn't like, please tell me where... She's like, you better tell me where my Lord is. I got the spices. I'm ready to throw this 225 pound body over my shoulder, give him the dignity he deserves. We're going to finish what we started. We followed him then. We followed him through that. We followed him then. We're going to see it through. That's Mary, right? That's Mary. That's Mary. Where'd you take him? Then verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, Scripture says immediately she knew it was Jesus and recognized him as the resurrected Savior and the resurrected Lord. No one says your name like Jesus does. No one will ever say your name like Jesus does. And maybe you're watching right now and and you're trying to find the way that the name, your name sounds. And you're trying to find it in materials and you're trying to find it in, in, in status. And you're trying to find it in a relationship. No one says your name like Jesus. And until you hear it, you're left Wanting. How is it that Mary recognized Jesus as soon as he said her name? It's because she was there. Mary was there in the beginning in Galilee. When he taught and healed, Mary was there when he healed and freed her of seven demons, whatever that was. Mary was there on the road to Jerusalem with Jesus' triumphant entry. Mary was there when they waved the palms and yelled, Hosanna, on Palm Sunday. Mary was there when they tortured and crucified him. It's in the scripture. She was always there. Mary was always present, always close to Jesus. She was there to give him a proper burial with the spices, even though she didn't know how that was going to get done and how the stone would move. Mary was there to see the empty tomb. Mary was there when the angel told her that he had risen. Mary was there when everybody else left. Mary was there asking the gardener where her Lord was. Mary was there when he said, I want you to close your eyes for a moment in the room, even online. Just close your eyes. believe you're going to hear the voice of God call your name. I want to conclude with the beginning. See, in Genesis, Adam and Eve, the crown jewel of God's creation, created in God's image and likeness, God wanted fellowship, relationship, closeness with them. But they began to listen to a different voice. The voice of the serpent, the voice of the enemy. That voice twisted God's words, lured them away and tempted them away. And as a result of listening to a different voice call their names, they sinned. They broke God's command. They began to live outside of God's design. And immediately shame and nakedness made them feel exposed. And the scripture says that God was wandering that very garden while they were hiding. And he was looking for them. What was the first thing that he said? God called out to them, where are you? The first thing that God said defined sin is that it creates distance between you and God. Mary made sure that distance wasn't more than a few feet. I believe God wants to call your name maybe for the first time or the millionth time, to close that distance. May you hear that name as we sing a portion of this song. And I can hear it in the crackle of a barn I can hear it in the middle of the ocean water. Oh, I just can't explain, but it makes me want to cry. And I can hear it when the rain falls on my windowsill, on a playground where children's laughter lives. Oh, I can't explain, but it makes me want to cry. I can hear it in the busy New York City streets And I can hear it in the country Just the fields of green Oh, I can't explain No, but it makes me want to cry It's the voice of God It can make a groan. Recognize that there's distance between you and God. Maybe you've never made a decision. Maybe you've never known Him as a Savior and a Lord. I'm going to give you that opportunity. For He is faithful, He is by your side, waiting for you to accept what He's already done for you in your place for your sin because He loves you. If that's you, there's distance between you and God and you. You've never, never made a decision for Jesus. Right here in the room and online, I want you to just make that decision. In the room, you can just lift your hand. Lift your hand with every head bow, with every eyes closed. Just recognize this moment that God is calling to you. He desires to know you. He's been waiting for you. Online, you can respond. There's a place to click. You can put it in the chat. You can put up a hand emoji you're coming home to God, He's been calling you, and you desire for Him to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're in this room online and distance has just grown, you've been listening to other voices and you realize just how much distance has grown between you and your Savior and your Lord. Come on, if that's you and you want to come back, you want to come back to a Savior that's been chasing you down, calling you down as you've walked away. If that's you you just lift your hand in this room put it in the chat put an emoji up in the chat we just want to pray for you we want to encourage you we're closing that distance right now that the holy spirit is loving you right now the holy spirit is whispering to you right now god i thank you that in this moment in the room and online wherever we find ourselves god you are faithful you are loving And God, we thank you that your voice continues to call to us. God, may our ears be able to hear your affirmation, your validation, the way that you love us. We thank you that like Mary, that we would have staying power. That we would be there at every moment you call us into. We thank you that you never left us. You've never forsaken us. We love and honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen.
1: An incredible Sunday. Can we put our hands together for Pastor Luke and that incredible message. Um, It's been an incredible Sunday. I want to thank all those joining online and here in the room. Hey, if you responded to that message online, you can throw it in the chat. We have hosts that would love to take some time and pray with you. And those in the room, uh, we have a care and prayer team that would love to pray for you. We're super excited as we continue this season of Humans of Easter. Um, Greece is right around the corner as we are many rooms, one house. Excited for that to be open. And if you'd like to find a seat at that table of helping us, getting your hands dirty as we get ready to reopen our buildings. We'd love to join you, have you join the team. You can text TFHNY to 94000 or come and find us by the carrot team or in the lobby. We'd love to have you join team. We love you, church. We'll see you next Sunday. We're going to get ready for behind the message, so you can stick around if you want those online as well, but you're free to go. We love you.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay, here we go.
3: I'm wondering, Josh, what challenged you most from that message?
2: Oh, here's Pastor Luke. Oh, thank God. All right. Hey, Luke. Hey, guys.
3: Hey. Great to see you. Sorry about the jog. It's all good. I told Josh I'm taking over. I'm interviewing.
2: Yeah, I think that Mary Magdalene's uh, ride-or-die nature is very challenging. I would say that, that, that challenged me, I think. The fact that everything about the situation would have screamed that jesus wasn't who he said he was yep uh, but she still called him lord i think uh makes it actually more than just an experience that she had with him but uh he radically changed her life uh that to me is Mm. an incredible part of the sermon
0: yeah i think uh, and and a part that you know you both have crafted messages before and you've studied and in the holy spirit and prayer and you you get tons of like great stuff Mm. you know yeah and part that didn't didn't make the cut in the (laughs) mass the message is um the principle of finishing well i love that first of all love the fact that we have a new thing in behind the message called
2: what didn't make the cut so (laughs) continue i'm sorry i can't hear you guys because i don't have the fancy it's all right he just keep talking about it i just saying that i like the fact that you added a part to our behind the message of things that don't make the cut in the sermon
0: Oh, it's a new segment. Yeah. Yeah. If you like this segment, please put it in the chat, because I think it's a great segment. (laughs) Uh, Things that didn't make the cut. We could even ask the communicator on the weekend to send us their notes, maybe on things that didn't make the cut, so if they can't be at the desk. The weekend update desk, is that what we call this? Yes, it's
2: the weekend update desk. So welcome to the weekend update. Yep. Wow. Here at the Father's House. What other updates do we have? Oh, so many updates, guys. Easter's gonna be awesome. I don't Woo! even think we've announced it yet, but since you're sticking around behind the message, we're gonna let you know. We're going three services for Easter. Three. Which is actually six different experiences if you're counting, nine including online. Hello. We have three in Chile, three in Greece, three online, eight thirty, ten thirty, and twelve thirty. Okay, so mark it on your calendars. 30 12 Twelve thirty. Yep. W- what's yeah. happening next week? Next week is March 21st. I uh, wouldn't want to call it a normal Sunday here at the Father's not House. Not normal. De- but it is week not. two of Humans of Easter. It mm-hmm. is the teams of the Grease Campus are gathering at the Grease Campus. Boom, teams
0: and group leaders. Hello. Hello. We're Hello. calling a soft launch. Grease uh, opening. 9 a.m. service. And like there's going to be some food. Thank you very much. Yeah, food. Yeah, so mm-hmm.
2: if you want to serve uh, at the Grease Campus or the tri Campus or online, You can text the word T-F-H-N-Y to 94,000. Get on the team. Get on
0: the team. I mean, my goodness. Man, we have so much fun. Make a huge difference. I I got a question. Yes.
3: I'm wondering, uh, what's the favorite team you've ever served on?
0: Favorite team I've ever served on? Uh, Facilities team. I like building stuff.
3: Okay, that makes sense. I
0: like building things and not talking.
3: (laughs) Praise the Lord. Josh, what about you?
0: Uh, I, I loved the kids team still do
2: still do love it Which i like being on the kids team i hear is, they're looking
0: for volunteers josh they are and I it's
3: hilarious go. because remember when you started and you're like oh i don't know kids ministry yeah and now it's your favorite my first we'll week do it.
2: on staff at the father's house is also my first week attending the father's that house was amazing. just so you know uh it was easter sunday 2015 uh-huh. and i was a student pastor at the time and we were outside helping with the welcome team and someone comes running out like a little bit haggard only slightly and they're like, they need you in kids. It's like, they definitely don't, so I'm not going. And this is like, I wasn't gonna go. And someone else came out a second time, like, they need you in kids. It's like, I'm not doing that. Like, I wasn't gonna do that. And then- Were
0: you recruited for student
2: ministry? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ah, little did you and know. And you know
3: what? And I then, was in kids.
2: Yeah, so then, and then you want to see, oh, you want to know Haggard. Train. Yeah, Carrie at the time was the kids pastor, <laughs> and she came out, like, it looked like she stuck her finger in a light socket, like, her hair's off.
0: Oh, that's she's right. Like, <laughs> and before you, it was me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She was but
3: like, But you were at Greece.
2: She's like, I need you in the kids' wing. <laughs> I was like, I was just horrified. So I go to the nursery, yeah. and like, the kids, I'm holding these two kids, they're both sick. There's snotting everywhere. Oh, you only
0: had Wes at the time, and he was still a baby, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my wife comes to the door
2: of the nursery. She's like, What are you doing? And I was like,
0: I have no idea. It was crazy. That's how we do it in kids ministry around yeah. here. People, no, just it's no, safe. It's they have safe. a great time. Oh yeah, Maybe learn about Jesus, make some great just, friends. It feels like that's just a, so much a part He's of He's not man. a representation of the yeah. highly trained kids volunteers that you trust this your children. my with. favorite team because these oh, people are
2: so here. good back there. Oh. How's that? <laughs> that's good. <laughs> good that recovery. Yeah. Good recovery. Are you trying to set
0: up a meeting?
3: No, no. Off sorry. Off camera,
2: <laughs> Carrie's having a conversation with someone off camera right now. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The wheels are falling off here, people.
3: Uh, Real quick, I just wanted to say hi to Judy. Uh, She's saying that her son, Casey, is doing much better. Judy, that's amazing. So glad to hear that.
2: Also, we want to welcome everybody watching from New Jersey, Florida, Pennsylvania, Georgia, California, Massachusetts, Michigan, Virginia, Washington, D.C., South Carolina, Ontario, and Texas. Hey, no more travel restrictions if you're vaccinated. Also, by the way, also, we have people from Puerto Rico watching us, which is awesome. Uh, Two people from Puerto Rico. Welcome. Thanks for being here. We're so glad you're here. It was a great Sunday. It was. Thanks for joining us, Church. Uh, Luke did a phenomenal job. Week one of Humans of Easter. Thanks, Josh. Next week is week two of Humans of Easter. Who are we talking about? Uh, Thomas is next weekend. Doubting Thomas, which is such a it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be a great a great service. Make sure you invite some friends. Hit the subscribe button. Like us on Facebook if you still use Facebook. Follow us on Instagram so you can stay up to date on all the things that are happening here the at the church. Say. Hit the bell. Hit the bell? And it's going to be, okay. It's a way to subscribe <laughs> to YouTube. Okay. Anyway, keeping okay. up. Uh, but thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of your week. We will see you Sunday, people. Hit the bell. got to get a mask. Yeah, you got to.